Merkel Media. Welcome back to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbirds with your host, Sean Chris, Joe Thomas, nothing chilling at the Hilton with friends. And there's paparazzi everywhere, there's cameras everywhere, and oh my god, they're they're not real camera people, they're shape-shifting, they're reptilians, I gotta pull it out, brat, brat. Woo! <laughs> Another fire episode ready for everybody, man. We're all <laughs> I had to bring back the classics. You know what I'm saying? We always slip back, back and forth. Welcome, y'all. We let's get all the fun stuff out in front. Don't forget to go to killthemockingbirds.com. We're now get some merch. Got the butt cheeks tight shirt ready to go. We got the bird killer shirt ready to go. Hop on killthemockingbirds.com. Click that merch link, or you can see the links right below in the show notes. Click right there. Grab both. Why not? Yeah, do that. We've already got people buying both. So I saw that first yeah. day, man, people were buying shirts uh, like crazy. So, yeah, you guys uh, jump on there. Um, this first run, they're 25 bucks a piece, uh, not counting shipping. So depending on where you're at, it'll calculate that for you. We make them per order. We have a company that we're in conjunction with. So we have all sizes. So if you're small all the way to like 5X, man, we got them. So we make them per order so we don't skimp out on anybody so everybody can get a shirt for sure also don't forget the 40 airwaves ultimate podcast conference coming up in october all the information is down below it's a three-day event it's going to be great we got a bunch of podcasters with us and we're going to do a special special presentation that's not going to be aired anywhere else but there and you can come talk to us we'll be doing some uh podcasting uh panels with everybody else so you can ask us a bunch of questions there too it's gonna be a blast so you guys get in on it early because there's only 200 tickets and tickets have been going up pretty quick so if you want to yeah. come see us specifically you definitely want to jump in on it now and not wait to the last minute that's what i keep saying so yeah you got to get on that while you can and we like to thank everybody that has like you said purchased tickets or purchased shirts and for everybody that's been just killing it with the five-star reviews, man, it's like they've just been coming in galore, man. Like, we get, we appreciate the love. And what, like we always do, got to jump off with some good old comments. Yeah, for sure. We got uh, some Apple Podcast comments right now. We got Randy Lee. So good. Booyah, dog. Strap in because these boys spitting hot fire. Appreciate that, Randy. We've got C. Howard 13. Yeah, let me talk to you. And I know where you got that from. That's my boy, L.A. Knight. He says, "Let this is an awesome show, but sometimes I think this Joel character is the AI demon that lives in the internet messing with me. Another proud ginger with two first names saying all the things I love hearing. This cat even goes to the same nitros at the Macon Coliseum as a teenager. Seems mighty suspicious is all I'm saying. RIP SIM card, which I think is suspicious that you went 
to the Nitros back when I was 13 at the Macon Coliseum. Maybe <laughs> you're the AI demon. You're tracking me down. <laughs> but no, we really appreciate it. That's what's really yeah. going on. <laughs> we really appreciate it, Howard. And I've got a couple of Spotify ones too, because I'm doing those now because people have been rolling those in too. We got Justin Williams. I love the episode, guys. Keep up the good work. I was laughing too hard on this one. You guys are the best at getting sheets tight, but y'all know how to loosen them up too. Love you guys. And then we got NG Imino. Not knowing what the episode this week was going to be about, I was talking about NPCs on the comment I made last week. Coincidence? So strange. Ha ha. Keep up God's work, y'all. Nick from South Carolina. Appreciate that, Nick. And it just so happened that we had already recorded that. So <laughs> when you commented that, it was already in the works. So we knew we were coming with it. But uh, somehow you were having some synchronicity in your brain with Kill the Mockingbirds is what happened, man. <laughs> so I think that's what happened. But again, right now, guys, give us a five-star review. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Write it up. We'll read it here on the podcast. Same thing with Spotify. Give us a five-star review. Also, comment on the show. Do the polls. Go buy the merch. Rep, Kill the Mockingbirds to the fullest, and we appreciate it. Love you guys. Yeah, for sure. We love y'all. And you can follow us at Kill the Mockingbirds podcast on Instagram. Van Tesla music on Instagram. Sean Chris music on Instagram. But like we always say, go to the website, killthemockingbirds.com, where you could also check out our music. Joel Thomas and Sean Chris. You click on the music section or just go to any music streaming platform and put Joel Thomas, Sean Chris. And I think that's about it, right? We got to wrap. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it, man. That's hot. 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 This is really hot. Oh, man. This was a good one, man. I remember you were telling me about this. We've like been in the works, kind of like, you know, how we're always shuffling back ideas. And we always like to highlight a lot of these idols right these icons or idols what people like to call them and this one i think in particular is great for the newest era like of the 2000s because paris hilton was really on the forefront of everything of pushing this new and not intentionally maybe pushing agenda maybe she is maybe she isn't but it blo- it blossomed into this whole new world so we're gonna break down the idol of paris hilton today yeah man i think it's gonna be a really good one because I think that a lot of times when we're able to take these idols and show people how they influenced, what these influencers do, you know, what they represented, what they've morphed into now, because she's an even bigger mogul now, but a little bit quieter as far as being out there in the public eye. But she influenced a lot early on that has wide ramifications to what's going on now in culture. I mean, a lot of these things we'll go into today that she helped create that are big in social media now that a lot of people have taken on board and try to emulate and all these other influencers that are really big right now, they emulated her. And we'll also talk about Kim Kardashian and how she and Kim are to this day really good friends. They were friends since they were kids and how Kim is also in that same sphere of influencing influencers. And I think that's something that we don't think about enough is where these influencers got these ideas from. And you've had people that were whether on purpose or just by the machinations of the time uh, were 
basically bred to influence generations and cultures even to today. Yeah, pushing the directions, whether willingly or unwillingly, because, you know, things happen in life with life experience. And I think that can mold you to go the way they want you to go. I think that's something that we take for granted. Sometimes everybody thinks it's like hacking their brain. Like, I think there's a lot of manipulation for sure. But I think a lot of it's just like pushing these experiences onto people to kind of push them into direction. It's like that whole nudge theory we've danced around a lot about where you're not really telling somebody what to do. You're putting them in that position and they're they're doing it without you telling them because you've created the environment for them to uh, thrive in that kind of uh, field. And she was like, is considered like the influence, the influencers influencer. She's like the beginning, like where it all trails because there was no real social media at the time when she right. came out, you know, reality shows had already started, you know, you had the real world and you had a couple of little things like that, but she really kind of, took it to another level because she had got all the paparazzi everywhere she was going before she was even like a star. She was the beginning of being famous for being famous, like where you really didn't know what they did later on. Yeah, she did stuff. But at that time we were like, who was she? Who is she? Why are we taking, because her family's rich. Like we're like, okay, who cares? Then she got a reality show and the reality show obviously was great. Like people loved it. Like as far as the, the masses, but when you got me to watch that documentary, it opened a whole new layer yeah. because you see right away in the documentary that she's been faking the whole time. Like meaning that like uh, even down to her voice, right? Like her voice was a whole character and you, you, it starts peeling back these layers of this characters and multiple characters because at first she has the one character and then you could see as the documentary progresses, she starts Got the DJ, you know what I mean? Then she's got this and she's, and, and I think it's like, it's not borderline uh, personality disorder, but it definitely rings some kind of like, some kind of mind control-ish. Yeah, for sure. And if anybody's looking to watch the documentary, because it's very interesting. And I also thought the timing was interesting too, because it came out right during the middle of the pandemic in 2020. Mm -hmm. and that September, as a matter of fact. So it was right when lockdowns were still kind of going on in certain places, but they were starting to... Right during the election. Right. right. And uh, it was starting to let up, but right during the election. So it was a nice distraction piece because even in the documentary, they talk about her family. They were big Republicans. They always have been. They were very conservative. There's pictures of Nancy Reagan with her mom, with her dad. And I thought that was interesting, too. So they were big friends with the Reagans. And we all know about Nancy Reagan being involved with the occult. And it makes you think as we delve deeper into today and how the occult is always intertwined with anything in celebrity in Hollywood, you're going to see how that plays out, too. Um, it and when you to mention the Republican part, did remember that part where she says, oh, remember what you used to say? And she was talking about George Bush. Like she would say George H.W. Bush, uh, his name. Yeah, funky. that's true, too. She did. I think it was like Bush George is what she used to call. Yeah, Bush George or something. But then it was just like, I get the whole like, ah, oh, you said something funny, but it was like they wanted to like really represent that whole like a conservative like feel like even like through the interview, like when you see her later on, it, it, she does give a real conservative like feel like she's trying to push. Push yeah, back that and way. I think she, the mom, you know, I mean, for the mom. sure, the mom. And I think the whole game with Paris was that she pushed against traditionalist conservative ideas and she pushed against her family. So they try to play it 
as she's like this rebel and that's kind of what they show but there's way more layers to it like an onion when it comes to why she got to the way she was you know what may have pushed her there you were talking about the voices listen what's very interesting about these voices the whole documentary starts off with her in a studio room mm-hmm. And she keeps changing her voice, but it's almost like she's clicking over into different personalities. And if you watch the video or the documentary, she constantly does that. It's it's throughout the whole thing where she's talking to one person. She has a certain personality when she's talking to the camera. She's got like four or five different personalities, depending on what place she's in. And I get that people can create these things themselves to feel like they fit in. but as we delve into today, it doesn't seem like that's why she's switching in and out of these personalities. It seems like there's something a lot deeper there and we'll talk about MK ultra and we'll talk about the occult for sure. But I do think that there is a level of that, that, that has to do with her. And I think she is definitely controlled, manipulated at some point in her life, at least it started out that way. And I think it kept going, but she's definitely switching in and out of personalities, man. It's, it's, it's evident. Yeah. And something happened too, because they go through it and maybe it was like the sibling, sibling rivalries that pushed her to be a little bit more wild at first or something of that nature, because it seemed like she was really close Mm -hmm. to her dad. They were calling her a tomboy. She seems real goofy, even like later on. You can, and not a bad way. I'm not trying to say it like in a mean way. She just seems like that little quirky, goofy kind of girl that's kind of probably chill. Like almost like a, she almost seems like a chill person. To to me, honestly, to watch the whole thing, like a cold stuff aside, I was kind of feeling for her. I was like, man, it just seems like she's just trying to live her life. She was really into mm-hmm. animals. And it's like something happened and they don't really discuss that in the documentary, but they just say, hey, you know, when she hit like 14, 15, she started like, rebelling yeah she was like hey wearing the clothes her mom didn't which is normal wearing clothes her you know revealing clothes makeup alcohol drinking so i don't know what happened at that point that's where like did she meet somebody did somebody in the family say something and i also thought it was strange because then they get into um like kind of what happened because the whole real part is it kind of discusses like then like in the documentary, as you watch it, they, you know, her career and how she like made everything and became now like, you know, with her products and then into DJing. And then like that weird, I don't know why they put that. That was annoying. The whole little drunk boyfriend part. I'm like, bro, I think I was so annoyed by that, man. Like I wanted to punch him like, bro, are you kidding me? Like if, if I'm not even into that music, but like, knowing like what people do and how hard it is to get in front of that. That was just annoying. Well, and me. I think some of that's manufactured for the camera too. And, yeah. That's and what she I think so made too. it out to be at the time, because this happened in 2020 and we'll get to where she's at now and who she's with now for sure. Cause that plays into this occult piece, but she talks about how she can't keep a relationship and the guys that she's with generally have less money than her. So she feels like that they're not her equal and they can't talk to her that way. Cause it, and for people that don't know in the documentary uh, or don't know about her in real life, she's also a DJ. She gets paid $1 million per show. Event. Yeah, per event. Yeah, if yeah. they book her, it's a million dollars off the rip for her to show up to DJ. And she's actually a really good DJ too, which is nuts. So mm-hmm. it's funny. She gets really mad in this documentary because somebody took a clip of some guy coming up and changing something. And they're like, see, she doesn't even do it herself. It's somebody else doing it for her. 
I thought that was funny uh, when clearly there's been so many videos come out since then or even around that time that she was doing it herself. So I think it's just like a side passion that she's had and she's got the name value. So she's going to, you know, demand the money. But she go, she does one of the biggest uh, raves Festivals. of all time. It's, yeah, yeah. it's the biggest rave every year. And I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but she's there with the boy adventure some like it's like wonderland like something like that man something, Louis, something I, I like that man too, i'm yeah. sure as we're going along i remember what it is but uh she does this event her boyfriend at the time comes with her he gets real jealous about something and she gets keeps getting him to try to calm down and he won't calm down and she ends up kicking him out of the event taking his wristband and security hauls him off i also thought this is crazy right how much power do you have to be like hey my boyfriend or girlfriend get them out of here and security's just like not even like yeah, asking no. any questions and this dude's like what are y'all doing and then they're literally hauling him and they threw him in a van <laughs> like, bro like a black <laughs> van like, like, i was like man did this guy like die at that moment like is he like gone and they replaced him with like a clone version or something like that was super yeah he came back all nice <laughs> so and then you see her after that and this was really weird so she's standing in front of boxes of laptops and boxes like and not, he's not even exact like there's literally over 100 laptops right there Easy. like and she's like bubble wrapping them and she's talking about like her past relationships and the jealousy of the boyfriends that she's had or shows one where they broke that and i think that's the part where they really started getting into like a little bit where it kind of gets a little bit dark where they talk about rick salman her boyfriend that uh she filmed a sex tape with and he distributed it and made a lot of money off of it. And supposedly, allegedly, which it seems she seemed pretty genuine about it, in my opinion. I don't know her, but it seemed like she didn't make any money off it. Obviously, dude was just like, he saw an opportunity. He was like, fuck it, man. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to make opportunity. They were probably in a fight. They don't really go into exactly what happened. But she, you could tell that's where, that's one of those, like, dark, that was the first black eye to her life and trauma that she had as far as the public sphere, right. right? Like that was a huge, like she was coming up and they kind of like centered it around that. So that's why I thought too, like I thought like the boyfriend thing was kind of like manufactured because right after that, they went into this laptop thing where like there was, dude, that, I was like, can you please send me a couple of those MacBooks? Well, and here's the crazy <laughs> thing. So she even made a point to say to people that all of the laptops weren't from past relationships, but, because of the relationship she's had, she always gets rid of whatever laptop she's had when she's in a relationship because of what happened with Rick Solomon. And by the way, a I think there's many people out there that think that she was a part of putting the sex tape out to garner fame, which I don't really adhere to. And the reason why I don't is because she did it when she was 18 or 19. I can't remember. And he was a little older than her. And it just seems like he was very controlling and, and was pushing her into doing stuff that she didn't necessarily want to do, but she was like, I was just there to please him, you know? And I think that she, he filmed it. They broke up and he used it as a way to really put his name out there. I think it was more about him and him garnering fame. She was already famous. She didn't really need the sex tape. Whereas I think her friend, Kim Kardashian, did help release the sex tape with mm -hmm. Ray J to garner fame because she was following a blueprint that 
Paris Hilton didn't create or manifest. I think it was just, but it, but it fell in the lap of correct. people. No, for sure. I'm with you. I think it was some vengeance, like vengeance, what they call yeah. vengeance porn kind of deal. Like, and he's going to make a buck off of it. And then I, I think absolutely right. Because Kim Kardashian was like one of like those close people with Paris. Yeah. We could get into a few other people she was close to. That's ironically also in these weird boats, but she took that blueprint and ran. She goes, and I think that person wasn't a part of it. I think that it was just happened. She was kind of like, she seemed very yeah. vulnerable. And like, if you, and you kind of seen this whole thing that it seems like she attracts this certain type of dude. And, and that comes from her past experience, whether it was inside those facilities or where like it's somewhere in her teenage. Cause even that she's the same age as us, she's yeah. around our age. Right. And then she's still going through like, bro, no way, man. Like, there's no way I'm going to have you argue. At the, as minute as someone's arguing with me like that, like, I mean, when you're long-term relationship, you have little disputes, sure. But I'm saying, like, if you're at an important pinnacle of your life, if I'm at a sold-out, like, Madison Square Garden or, like, you know what I'm saying, whatever, and my significant other is, like, talking shit, like, and worried about me taking pictures, I'm like, man, you just might as well just leave right now, man. We just ain't going to yeah. work out. And again, I think she finds these guys in these uh, spaces where she goes to these events and they do have money. These guys do have money. They're just not on the same tier as her with money and they're able to get access to her. And I think she kind of yes. has this weird like that broken bird syndrome with guys, right? It's that yes. guy that's kind of broken. He's kind of the bad boy. And she gravitated to those type of guys. And as we delve into her past and why that might be so, you'll see that with a lot of MK Ultra victims and a lot of people that have, you know, mind control done to them when they're younger. You see a lot of that happening with these guys that come along that are very controlling or or insecure to the fact that they become controlling because of it. And I could see how a guy just naturally might feel insecure around somebody like her because of her level of status. And if they feel like, well, tier wise, I'm not in the same money making sphere as her. Maybe I don't feel like I belong with her. And then they try to over amp it, that over masculinization that guys do when they feel insecure. So I saw a lot of that going on. And I felt like that from her too, as she was talking in this, documentary that that's what was going on and i'm with you man i think i felt more sorry for her as i the mm -hmm. more i watched the documentary and not for the reasons that they wanted you to feel sorry for her right they wanted you to feel sorry for her this whole documentary and they wanted you to feel like that you know she's been wrongly looked at and there's some of that for sure but i felt more sorry for her in the sense of man what do these kids go through in these rich elite families that we don't know about? You know, I started thinking about something the other day and you know how we all rail on Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and the Bushes and Obamas and whoever you want to bring to the forefront. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. <laughs> what I started really thinking about, and I know this can be controversial in this truther space, but I don't give a fuck. Get your butt cheeks tight, y'all. This is what we do here. I start feeling sorry for those people. I actually have a lot of empathy for those people because we don't know what they went through as a kid, man. If we think that they're doing what they did to children, what did they go through as children to get to that point? Because they all came from very wealthy families for the most part, or they got pushed into a situation in these boarding schools or whatever else, which we'll get into today, that caused them to be this way. 
then I start having empathy for those people. It doesn't discount what they're doing to others is wrong, but you look at victims of child sex abuse. A lot of them become pedophiles as they get older because they think in their brains that this is okay or it becomes a part of their life so much look at generations of families where like the dad was a pedo and molested the kid and that kid did the same thing to his kid and that kid did the same thing to his kid and it just goes on and on it's that generational curse thing that people talk about and i started i'm starting to see a lot of these i think to an extent i'm I'm with you to an extent right like i think there is a lot of that because a lot of these uber rich and wealthy people or that are high status all go to these boarding schools and a lot of these boarding schools they're supposed to teach manners and properness and and they really are just like and and more even just in board uh these schools there's all these next level of like the trouble teens but to another extent there becomes a time in your life where you have to be accountable you can't use that for the rest of your life i can feel a little bit of empathy uh, for how you got into that situation. But ha- after you've had all these years of being an adult and you haven't even tried to do anything, that's where I lose the empathy for people like a Hillary Clinton, right? Even if she was raised that way, she came to a certain point in her life where now, yeah, that sucks that that may have happened to when you're younger. And I understand there's things you have to work through, but as an adult, you can't use that forever, right? You can't be like, man, I wish I couldn't. Like, it's like those, man, I'm sorry, I'm a bitch. I'm just a Scorpio. I'm just a Scorpio. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of like level of it. If you do not try to like better at all. And I, and I know it's kind of a weird field because I get what you're saying. Like, if you're in this pattern of always thinking, but at some point, if you can't feel empathy towards others, I can't have it. Like, I can't even have any more empathy for you. It kind of runs out, right? Like you have to at least be showing me that you're trying to be better. Like, I understand that you might have, we've all gone through shit, right? Through, throughout childhood and some worse than others. But as soon as we get to the, especially like once you're past 25 and you're in your thirties, if you're not trying to be better at all, then I I just lose all respect for you in my opinion. Yeah. And I think the respect factor, I totally agree with. Um, I just, but you're saying like empathy and like you're, you're more talking about an understanding of where it comes from, where they're coming from. Like, and I I get what you're mean. And this is going to, come up a lot during this Paris Hilton episode, we forget that even as these elite kids get older and become adults, they're still tied into these bloodlines. They're still tied into these families. They have handlers. They have people that are watching over them, making them do certain things. So it's something that the average person doesn't have to deal with, whereas they have to deal with a whole other aspect of it. So them getting out of the situation is a lot tougher than somebody that may have been molested as a kid and gets older. And it's like, I would never do that to anybody because I went through this. Again, we all make decisions. It doesn't discount that these are wrong things that people are doing to others. And I, and respect is absolutely right you don't have respect for people that do evil to others because i think there are times in people's life that there are situations that come along that you have that option you have that crossroads and you have that option to either keep going down this road or decide to go down that road or not and you made the decision to do it so i think at some point that we all do that there's no discounting that i just started looking at it a little differently because what we do and you talk about this a lot we dehumanize people a lot especially people we don't like and when we look at or and rich people and me and my daughter talk about this after the submarine thing you know how people are like oh he's a billionaire who cares and i and i do agree with you on that point that Let's judge them by their character. Like, I think Hillary Clinton would be a bad example because just because of how 
much we've seen how shitty she is as a person. But I know where you're going with it. I totally agree with you. I think that people put labels onto people, whether they're rich or they're involved in a certain family. You're right that they're in these, they're confined to, to this, like people watching them and, and what they can do. Cause they're in the bloodline, no matter what, but we can judge them off of their yeah. character from there. Right? Like you, you can see, don't just say, Oh, they're rich. Oh, they don't have any problems, man. They got, they got, because we're looking at it from our perspective of like, man, I wish I right. had that money. And I think that I just use Hillary Clinton as an example, because she's probably like the one that people look at as like evil. So I wanted <laughs> yeah. to go the furthest extent of it. It's the haircut for me, bro. It's the haircut for me, And I just me, wanted bro. to go to the furthest extent of it so people could understand, like, kind of where my mind's evolving to when I'm thinking about people. Mm-hmm. Because I think that anybody can have retribution and anybody can have redemption. So even if she decided one day to be like, you know what? My eyes are open. This is terrible. I'm out of it or whatever. I think it doesn't discount what she did. And there has to be repercussions for the things that you do in life and accountability. But yes, you, everybody gets redemption. I'm totally with you on that. But now, like we've talked before, you, you're held accountable. You know what I mean? Like for the, for your actions and everything. But if you do that there, I do believe that there's redemption for everybody because at some point you may not have that like, love in your heart or understanding of what God is. And when you do have that, and unfortunately it is when people are closer to death yep. or in a circumstances that are not good. Yes. Right. Even all of, I've been guilty of it plenty too. Like where you're like, all right, man, lost my job. <laughs> or start, you know what I mean? My place about to lose, but I start praying around here. You know no, saying? for like, sure. And that's but, something I've but, learned too. But that's something for sure. To, you know, keep in prayer all the time, not just when you're in your worst and be thankful all the time. Yes. So what I try to do every night and I pray every night. So like and people used to be shocked. I've been praying for every night for like forever, but like I, but what I changed, like you said, like I'm more thankful yeah. now. Like I'm not, I started getting into a mode cause I always wanted like, you know, I'm not trying to ask. I wasn't like, yeah, God, make me rich tomorrow. Like right. <laughs> I wasn't praying like that, but you know, you always pray. Like I pray for the people around me that like, man, I just want to be protected or loved ones in the circle that we have. But then I started like thinking God. And I also start praying a lot too now where I just kind of like, I'm just like talking mm-hmm. to God. Like I'm just like, it's almost like my therapy and, and I, I could just talk to him and be like, you know, I really messed up on this thing, man, but I am working on it. And it's just like a good feeling. Like, and like, even though, even though I haven't told you that this is a little sidebar, but like lately, man, the last three weeks, man, I've been having all these like, man, bro, I swear I saw like a pug wudgie come out of nowhere. <laughs> I haven't seen crazy shit. Right. I just think there's like a lot of like entities around me, like at this moment, like, but when I like, I don't really get that scared, man. Like, and, and it's not even like a joke. Like I, at first you get like, you know, when you yeah. first sense it, you're like, all right, I'm on awareness on alert, but like, I don't know, bro. I just feel like when I pray and I just talk about it and then like, I don't care. No, and I, and I agree <laughs> with that too. And I'm with you on the whole rich and elite thing, man. We rail on these people mm-hmm. all the time, but we don't know their situations. We don't know how they came up. We, we act like it's not going to be tough to grow up in a Nephilim bloodline. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like <laughs> imagine being like raised in that. And then these things that we consider just despicable are normal in that world. And you're raised in that world and you don't know how to take it. And as you get older, it shapes how you view life. And then when you're around all that money, 
to know that if you stepped away from it to not have that money. See, I think that's that crossroads that they have. It's like you have an opportunity. And they don't know what's on the other right. side, though. It's it's easy for it's easy to be like, oh, well, they could do, they have their name. You don't know that, man. When you're and then you got to think about this. Not only are you cut off from the money, but they could be like, hey, don't even give them credit. Like, hey, they don't have our name. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like they can bad like bad mouth you to where your name is no kill good. You. And replace you <laughs> yeah. with a clone. <laughs> so there's that too. <laughs> so, yeah, there's always that on the table. <laughs> so we're going to go the first extent of it for sure, man. But uh, no, I, and that's kind of where I'm at with this whole thing with Paris, man. And, and as we kept going, you know, through it, you were talking about the famous for being famous. You know, people didn't know who she was, but yet she was garnering so much publicity and paparazzi everywhere she went and she learned how to manipulate that she became the person when it came to paparazzi do you know that and this was right i think before or right around the time that a simple life came out which was the reality show that you were just talking about that Sharice Hassan, and you're going to hear his name come up a lot during this too. Uh, he's the CEO of Fame, so he built like a paparazzi empire, um, and he built it on the back of Paris Hilton. He talks about it. He says he talks it about it, and he <laughs> says like, "Look, I had a paparazzi company called Fame, which is the biggest one right now." And he's like, I built it on the back of her. He had 50 guys. This is nuts, bro. In LA that were making livings, like great livings, just off her photos alone. They said at the lowest, her pictures were going for 50K. At the highest, $1 million just for a photo. Bro, that's insane. So you would see these. And in the documentary, you see it some, but if you go online, you can see this too, where these paparazzi guys were fighting, literally fighting around her over the shot to where like sometimes she would have to run and hide in a limo or run and hide because she was fearful of her life because these people were duking it out, hitting each other with cameras. Like this is that madness, that NPC madness we talk about where your brain cells shut Mm -hmm. off and you're literally just sucked into this environment you're in. I think this is kind of when that NPC stuff started started too, man, was right around that re- early reality era. Paris Hilton brought this NPC attitude. And just to hear the money these guys were making off of pictures of her is is just really nuclear, man, to think about that that's where the whole paparazzi um, idea phenomenon, phenomenon exploded. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I totally agree. Cause like it was around, but it wasn't like that, man. It became like a, a, and then they even show how like violent it got. Like they're going into other countries and these dudes are scrapping it out to get that picture. Cause it's a million dollars, man. You get that right pick. You're getting that million dollars. And it's like, well, what stems from this? Right? Like how did she get into this whole circle? Like, and they don't get towards that till like after, like you said, the laptops They're talking about the boyfriends. And one thing I found before we get off that subject, I thought it was interesting. I think it's one of her friends or her sister. I'm not sure. They start talking about boyfriends and they're like, well, why don't you, why don't you date somebody like on your stat, on your level of, of financial and power? And she was like, ah, I'm kind of scared. Yeah. Not kind of that. So that kind of clicked something with me that she knows something that's where I really started getting into the like, obviously I knew like a lot of it had like layers of like 
this and that. But that's where I'm like, man, this has some connection. She's fearful Here's of something. Here's another thing. And, and she doesn't want to be a part of it well, for a reason. And this is another piece, too, that I thought about. So when they went back and they were talking about her family, right? And Rick Hilton, which was her dad, um, and Kathy was her mom. So Rick was one of eight children. He was one of the last three of the eight. The first five got millions and millions and millions from their family. The last three did not. They actually had to work. So Rick was one of the ones that had to build an empire by himself, which I thought was very interesting. So it made me think, too, that maybe he wasn't quite as locked in as connected at the time mm -hmm. with the bloodlines or, or like he was part of them, obviously, but I just meant like he didn't have, he was on the outside looking in. Right. More. And I kind of got that. And her mom though, was that typical <sighs> socialite. She wanted her daughters to be, you know, she sent them to these, uh, etiquette schools, which I thought was interesting. She wanted them to, uh, have this look about them but she as a child was this baby model all the way up and her mother was also a socialite and pushed her because she was a single mom and she basically built money off of the back of her mother paris's mother so paris's mother kathy didn't want that for her kids and that made me think too what are they not telling us that's going on with these kids that are in these socialite circles that are these kid models that we hear a lot about a lot of sexual abuse and stuff she definitely shielded them from that because she was all about paris being this tomboy she didn't care she really didn't want her being a model she got mad when she went towards right. that way. Like, yeah, when she started, like, yeah. And I think they kind of pushed too. And it seemed like Paris was really close to her dad. Yes. Like they really emphasized that. Like, and it seems like that's kind of maybe why the other two daughters, maybe it almost seems like everybody is, it's Paris, Paris, Paris. Right. Like, kind of like, you know, the Brady Bunch thing. It's like, they felt like a little jealous of Paris and still to this day, but even before she was famous, it seemed like at that time, and, I, and you're right. She was like all about being the tomboy. They were showing her golf and why the other girls were more into dressing up like you know what other little girls do. But, you know, girls do whatever. And you're right. What did she experience? Because she was also like after a model, she became like a TV actress, right? Like a uh, like 11, 12 year old. Like and she was like in some just like a couple like TV series, I believe. But something happened because she was adamant, like mad. Like I get like being careful, right? Like. But she was saying it as if something happened to her, like, don't even try it. Like, because if you try it, everything's going to go and bad. And that downhill. really kind of shook me up because there's a lot of interactions between her and her mother during this documentary. And there's these moments where you can tell her mom's just putting on the front and faking until they both are mm -hmm. for the cameras where they're not telling you everything. Mm -hmm. And I believe that he rick was on the outside to start with and it was almost like well you gotta prove yourself and i think he not, didn't necessarily want that for his kids it, it and again man we're just taking it on face value and looking at old footage of them sure. as a family and seeing family photos all that could be manufactured I, I give total credence to that too but it just seems like that it's fake. It's fake. <laughs> <laughs> so it just seemed like, though, from what I could pick up, that 
at least initially, and even now that they cared about their kids, but they got the Hilton name. And when you have that Hilton name, it goes back to those crossroads, those things. And I almost feel like they wanted to play outside of the system, at least to start with. But you can only do it for so long, man, before they come knocking. And we're going to talk about that today. When they actually come knocking, what happens? Well, that's what I felt, too. Like, I felt like they didn't like the dad and the mom were trying to shield them away from whatever they had experienced or had like a little bit. And that's why I think they pushed. So I want to get into a little bit of like Paris started rebelling. You know what I mean? At 15, 16 years old, she was drinking a lot and, and, you know, dressing a certain way. They didn't like it. Obviously it's also gives them a bad name, which they're all about branding anybody, whether good, doesn't mean you're nefarious. Doesn't mean you're in the occult either. But if you're in a business, branding is important. And people worry about that because, you know, if, if your daughter's out doing wild stuff, baby, people don't want to go stay at that, at that, uh, the Hilton or, you know, those things that you had. So they tried a couple things with her. They put her to like, uh, like the, they think they was one, like a camp. And then I think she like ran away. Several. She called her grandpa. So these camps were yeah. out in the woods. And yeah, and it was like supposed to be like, Boy scouting kind of sort thing, of, right? It's it's more like kind of uh, mini boot camps out in the middle of nowhere. And according to her, a lot of these camps, there was a lot of abuse going on. And at this point, she wasn't talking about sexual abuse. It was more like just beating them and spanking them and just going over the top. So she escapes a couple of times from different ones. <laughs> yeah, one, she escaped by calling her yeah. grandpa. He picks her up. One, she escapes by literally escaping, jumping down like a flight of stairs and climbing fences, like going in the woods, Wild, like bro. going Rambo on that. So after escaping and not really having uh, uh, a way to get, you know, th- I kind of feel for the parents. I'm not saying they're good or bad, but I think at that time that they're thinking like, hey, we got to do something because if not, she's going to lead down whatever path that they were afraid of that her to go down. Now. They had this crazy idea, right? Because it kind of hints at it through since the beginning of the documentary where it's just talking about like she can't sleep. She has insomnia. She has this same dream over and over. And then they kind of finally explain what happened. So when she's like 16, 17 years old, after escaping all of these different facilities, they find a place. They they find a place and it's called... uh. Provo Canyon, Provo Canyon yep. school, right? But the, they don't just go there and go, Hey, you know, you're going to go to this school. No, no, no. In the middle of the night, they get two dudes to go into the house, go into the room and take Paris and just kidnap her and throw her into like a van and drive her to the facility. Now here's the thing about that. So they actually knew it was coming but from what I gathered, and this was her sister talking about it, they didn't manufacture it themselves. I don't think they had anything to do with it. I think it was that time where whoever in this elite part came to them and said, look, she's the one. And it's time. It's, it, it, you know, the, the pipers come. We're, we're paying. You're paying. It's time to pay. And this is how you keep your family from still making money. You keep the rest of the kids okay because her sister talks about opening the door and her getting drug out. But she says her family were like her mom and dad were holding each other and they didn't want it to happen. 
And she says she goes back to bed because they go back in the room and let it happen. And the next morning when they're eating breakfast, they just tell the rest of the kids that she went to boarding school and this is how it had to be done. But from what I gathered, I don't think they wanted her to go to this place. They play it off in this in this whole documentary like they were a part of it. And according to in Paris's mind, she feels like they were. They definitely allowed it. But I think somebody above them went to them and may have used all the bad things that she was getting involved with in the rebellion to be like, this is it. This is the time that we take her to this place. I'm kind of in the middle with that. Like I could see your point on that way, but I also thought like maybe it was like uh, typical of like uh, these counselors or, uh, and whether that may be like, it's, we're on the same route, but I just think maybe a little bit different. Like I think that was somebody manipulated them and came and said, Hey, this is the only way this is how we're going to help. Like, cause then, once someone's going, it's like the same thing with the whole trans situation, you know, like where you're kind of like, a, you don't know what else to do. And then you think these professionals and people are going to help. And I, that's where I think it's the nefarious way. Like, I don't think they knew like, Hey, this is an occult like thing. I think it was just though that place, like I'm now I'm with you that that place could be somebody calling her, but I don't think that they knew the occult value of it. In my opinion, I think that they just thought, we have to do it this way because she's already escaped a bunch of places. So they needed to be extreme. You've seen a lot of this kind of characteristics happen with families where they think they have to go to an extreme thing. But what I found funny and very interesting that kind of leads more into your point of that is when, you know, they kind of like talk about the school. They, they kind of dance around it. You know, they talked about a little bit and then they go away from it. She talks with her sisters and then they have all the people come. And before that happens, they're talking to the mom. And one of the producers or someone that's filming brings it up to her. And she was like, oh, I never heard of that. And man, one of the most disingenuous looks I've seen, like, obviously they could have told her before, like they said on camera. I don't know, man. It was just kind of a weird moment. Like, cause how she was looking is almost like, like I, you got computers, man. You got shit that's going on there. There's, there's a lot of stories, but I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to me. It threw me right there where I was like, hmm, she knew she led on that she knew more than she did. Agreed. I think even when she has that conversation with her mother and yes, well, that was where you said the most disingenuous that she was so fake. So when she told her mother that, listen, I'm coming forward with these other group of girls, which she, according to the documentary, hunted down some of the girls that she was in school with, hunts them down. She's going to do a, blog and she's going to put out some social media stuff against this school because she wants to try to shut the school down which she's act currently actively mm -hmm. trying to do which that school Provo Canyon had multiple sister schools that spawned off of it so there were other people that came out when she put out that hey this is what's happening in these schools she comes out with this group of girls now in the in the documentary She's got girls that she's friends with and they come in, hang out with her. And it, obviously, man, they play it up some too. But there is a whole level of truth to what's going on at this school. It, listen, because it's not a boarding no. school. This let's uh, let's say that this is not a board. This is a universal health services behavioral modification yes. program. This is like a whole. So at first, it's like these boarding schools, like you said, a little bit of camps and then like you said, it was this umbrella company, Charter Behavioral Health Systems that, you know, the, the one started that facility, but then they started absorbing all these other facilities. Well, what's crazy is the girls, when they're sitting there talking to her, they laughed 
when they said that they actually watched The Simple Life, because on The Simple Life, she plays this character of, hey, I'm a wealthy socialite that doesn't understand normal life, which is absolute BS. If you actually hear Paris talk about certain specific things, she's wildly intelligent. They actually, one of the girls says in the school, she just breaks out and starts breaking down economics to the teacher in the school that the teacher, it was over the teacher's head. So this kid's super smart. Paris is super smart. But the weird thing was they were talking about the simple life and she lied about not being able to use a mop or know how to clean. And they said, that's all you did in that school was you were the mopper and you were the cleaner. You very well knew how to do it. They also talk about in the school, she didn't have that high pitched voice that she has now that now When she got out of the school, she's got this really high pitched fake voice that she didn't have back then. So what went down in this school, which to the girl's admission, they don't remember everything that happened there. They can only remember bits and pieces that went down in the school. Some of them remember a lot of rape situations, which definitely plays in MK Ultra and Monarch programming because you're going to see a lot of pills, a lot of of sedation, uh, uh, isolation. Like isolation chambers to me, like that's where like when I see pills, I uh, you know, rape, uh, uh, verbal abuse, these things, like you said, are all monikers of the MK Ultra program of like in different degrees. Yeah, of and it. we're talking about monarch programming and sex kittens. Well, she consistently throughout the documentary, there were a lot of cat imagery, cat things that she would have. And I get it. She loves animals, but it was just a weird way that the cameras would focus in on some of this stuff, especially when she was hanging out with the girls and they were talking about what happened to them in brainwashing. And I want to get off a little bit into some of the imagery that they talk about uh, when they start shooting the little pictures and clips for social media they put the tape over the mouth and they would take a picture of them holding these posters that they would write about the traumas that happened towards them like they had like the different things that cause like if you have now like you're depressed and anxiety because of this place or whatever, like symptoms came from so that it place. would say Provo Canyon. And then underneath it would have whatever they went through or, or the problems, like you said, the traumatic responses that they had afterwards, this spawned off into other people doing the same thing about the schools and the sister schools from this. But here's the weird thing. So we talk about the tape over the mouth and if we know anything about celebrity MK Ultra celebrity uh, occultism. What what is the hand over the mouth or the finger up to the lips or the tape over the mouth, which you've seen a lot in a lot of musicians' art covers and red tape, and, and it's, it's red, red tape. tape, which also plays into that blood imagery. It's the Illuminati or Freemason vow of silence which they all did. And I thought that was odd that they took a very occult thing and used it as something that was supposed to be good, which you start breaking down what that means. Listen, it starts with the Egyptians and their own God of silence. Harpoor Krat was a God form of Horus. This God form had always been depicted with the right hand placed towards the mouth with one finger over the lips, which was a gesture of silence. The Greeks had it as well. Hippocrates, 
was a version of that same Egyptian god of silence and very similar, the right hand placed towards the mouth uh, as a gesture of silence. And what these secret societies do, it's the vow of silence. They will never tell what goes on behind the scenes um, in these MK Ultra situations or just even during these meetings where they're concocting what they're going to do to the world. We talk about the Hellfire Club from 1752 to 1766. Sir Francis Dashwood organized this elite group of English lords for drink and debauchery. That's how it started. But then it became known as the Hellfire Club. And then there was a lot of uh, occultic stuff that came out of it and they used a lot of phallic symbols in with the famous motto before Aleister Crowley used it do what thou wilt was placed over the doorway in stained glass and their doctrine of silence also came from Egyptian Greco-Roman gods as well so all those same gods I just talked about came from that arena too you got alistair crowley we just spoke about him he had the same phrase do what thou wilt and a lot of his imagery was finger to the lips hand over the mouth skull and bones the same thing when you go through the front door they've got two skeletons with hands over their lips with the gesture of silence we go to the bohemian grove the same thing you had uh you had St. John of Dapomic, who the original Bohemians killed because he was against a lot of what that they were pushing against these parishioners. They literally have statues of him with the finger over his mouth out in Bohemian Grove. So this is a very common theme when it comes to the occult, when it comes to a vow of silence. So she's got these girls and everybody else not even knowing what this means, putting this red tape over their mouths as a vow of silence. It's not because they're letting the world know. You would think if you were letting the world know, you wouldn't have this tape over your mouth. You're you're showing. Well, it could go the other way, too, because there's also a lot of symbolism like with uh, human trafficking that they use that they like the, the indigenous. They have the bloody hand over it, insinuating that they were forced to not talk the tape is supposed to symbolize uh and from what i what i know is supposed to symbolize the forceful way of not letting you speak about this and that is where i started getting more into the mom because when they had that fake encounter now i think i don't know how much paris knows or doesn't know for some reason and they, again this is just my opinion my feel of it i feel like she is aware of weird things that happen but i don't feel like she's trying to actively be involved if that makes any sense i think she doesn't know the ins and outs of everything and i think some of that could be shown that like there was kind of a you know slight takedown of her when she had the marijuana and the cocaine you know then she went to jail for three days kind of made her hated because she only did three days in jail and everybody else was like if that was me you know i'd do a lot like you know a lot more time even me i was probably one of those people but also then they started talking about the whole m-bomb scandal so it just felt to me she knew that like to not get out of line, but not necessarily as serious as it is. Right. And I think the tape symbolized her family keeping her from speaking because I almost felt like when she had that scene with her mom telling her about this situation that they. Before the cameras go, hey, this is how we're going to unfold it. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like it was not genuine. And I know they do stuff like that. 
but I felt like it was like, cause we're only going to talk about this. You're not going to talk about this. You're going to, and whether the mom's in on it or not, but that could go play back to what you were talking about earlier. Like maybe they're trying to stay and avoid this route, but it's like inevitable because you're in this bloodline and you're kind of like maybe every firstborn child. Cause I think she's the firstborn child, right? Yes. Like, I, uh, so I, maybe that's the thing, right? Like, Hey, your firstborn child has to do such and such for us because you're in this, uh, club. I, I'm I'm more leaning towards that. I don't think the tape, in my opinion, symbolized what you're thinking it symbolized, but it may have. I just think it was something different. I thought it was more the parents forcefully and the people forcefully not letting them speak. Well, I definitely think it was for the occult reason, and this is why I think that. So her and her sister talk about how the parents love to hide things from them and sweep things under the rug. And they would constantly tell them that they were Kings and Queens. So I feel like that there is a element of them keeping things away from them on purpose. I think they did it to protect them though. I think there was that piece of it, but I think, and like you said, she was talking to her mom and that conversation was super disingenuous on both ends, not just, her mother, but her as well, where I think they've had real conversations behind the scenes. This was just for the camera. So super fake and superficial. I think the tape was, and I think what the tape meant was we're not going to tell you the truth about what happened here. We're going to tell you what Mm. you want to see. And I think that's the ultimate psyop is to give enough truth, but not the real truth. Let's not forget that Provo Canyon is still going right now to this day. Check this out. Well, they left. Well, the the one company went bankrupt. They did what little switcheroo. switcheroo. Yes, they did this, the switcheroo where they said, "Oh, we're not. We don't exist. Can't right. sue us." And because they've had multiple scandals since the eighties. Well, and I think this is part of that releasing enough truth. Because when Paris started digging like into it, she dug up fifty six calls into the police for assault and twenty five calls in for sexual offenses from Provo Canyon. That happened there. We know that for a fact. She talks about how people got off on torturing them and watching them naked, which was really weird. You were talking about mm-hmm. these isolation chambers where they'd have cameras in there too. They drugged them up, like you said. Kept them on pills, staring at a wall. They they made them like sit in chairs, stare at walls while they yelled at them and hit them. And and I like where you're going with this because I think that now you're kind of making my mind turn differently because that makes a lot of sense. They're telling us like the sexual abuse, which is true, the physical abuse, which is true, but not telling us what it really entailed. Like, what were they really trying to do to these kids? How, why were they trying to break these kids? Was it just a couple of rogue people? Not when it's this consistency throughout your time. They started, started like in 1971 and immediately they already had bad negative things happening with the abuse. It started out as an all boys uh, uh, camp or, or behavioral center, program center. I like it because it's they're not telling you why they broke them. Exactly. I mean, she even talks about being in solitary confinement for 24 hours, butt naked in a straight jacket. And this happened numerous times, but here's that weird twist. And this is where I think the MK ultra kicks in. And this is where this mentality kicks in where I think this is going. And I think you think is going as well. When she leaves this place after 11 months, she made up her mind and she didn't even know why she made up her mind that she was going to be successful. And she takes the world by storm after that creates numerous companies and we're going to get into some of that too but numerous companies numerous uh opportunities open up for her after that and i think that was that part 
that had to happen. Like you said, the firstborn, and I didn't even put that together till you said it, her being the firstborn, which in a lot of occult circles, they do. They want to take the firstborn, and that's part of it. Even the religious, like if you look at like Passover, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, when the devil, uh, like the plagues and so stuff of Pharaoh, Egypt. He was, mm-hmm. that was part of it. They, the firstborn would die unless you didn't have the blood of the lamb over the doorways. And Moses went to Pharaoh and warned him. This was like God warning you like, hey, listen, all everybody can be saved here if you just listen. Mm-hmm. And Pharaoh's already been losing this battle. Like this was the last plague, basically the last, the last, the 12th. And Pharaoh tells Moses basically to F off and then all the firstborn die. So I think it's part of that occult thing, though, where here's this thing that happened in history with God. And then here we're going to twist mm-hmm. it. We're going to take the firstborn. Flip, flip it our way. way. So I, I do think that that's very, very telling, man. I, I didn't even think about that. That was a good, that was a good pickup there. Cause I didn't even think about her being the firstborn and her now moving into what the Hilton name needs to be. Cause think about it yeah. before, before her, the Hiltons were known for hotels and they were known as being like a status symbol, but it wasn't this level of fame that was attached to it. Not until Paris came along and was Paris came along. Now they're in the public eye. Now they can control the masses of people that follow her. Dude, right now there are people that follow her around the world, everywhere she goes and they call themselves the little Hiltons and she considers them mm-hmm. friends. She hangs out with them because they show up so much that she hangs out with them. And she even said in the interview that she feels like they know her better than even her own family. And that's why she keeps them around, which is super weird, which means she doesn't have emotional connections with people at all. When it seemed like she lost that because she, even when she talks to like the, people that she reunited with that were in the school with her when they're all having conversations and she speaks like, these are the only people that like know the real me. Like there's like such a small selection, all these other people, even the little Hiltons, even like the fans and the, like the friends, like the Kim Kardashians, they all know this fake Paris, this character that she created. And why did she create it? And what you said earlier, she was in that. I like they were taking pills at one point and she just like, I ain't gonna take these pills. And she spits them out. They found out. They put her in the uh, solitary confinement. And when she's in this solitary confinement, which she's butt naked, which is crazy that they're even allowed to put teen, but that's a whole nother thing. But inside that solitary confinement, she's like kind of talking to herself. And that is where she comes up with this idea of what she's going to become. I'm going to become this super successful and do all these blah, 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 blah. And how like, she kind of didn't go through everything, but she was like, that's where the blueprint was created in that seclusion away from everything. And I started thinking like maybe in that occultic circles or even like upper echelon circles, maybe they have these styles of where, you know, people rebel and they want to break you to push you into this. And they do all these mind control tricks that kind of like shape it to where they want you to go. Like, you know what I'm saying? force you to get the idea like yeah you always wanted to be an influencer and here's a thought for you right here that everything those girls talked about on the documentary may have been fake that those were 
those were mm. memories that were implanted in their brains. So we really don't know Ooh, yeah. what happened when she went away. Here's another one for you. And I thought about this while I was watching the documentary. What if she was never at Provo Canyon? What if she thought she was at Provo Canyon and mentally they implanted into her that she's at Provo Canyon, but she was in a completely different place that they used just for celebrities or in, an, a or coma. in a coma or check this out. She goes into Provo Canyon and then because of the mind control, they move her somewhere else where they're like, Hey, these are where we push these, these people yeah. where we're going to mold to be the next generation of superstars. And they go to another place, but in their minds, they're in Provo Canyon or they're in a different section of Provo Canyon. We don't know how that all operates in MK ultra, because at that point you're breaking someone's mind and anything they're telling you after that could be implanted memories. So I picked, Sure. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. There, there's so much stuff that they could do. And at, and the fact that she was not the only famous right. person that was at there, like Kat Von D uh, and Paris Jackson. Now, Paris Jackson didn't blow up as Kat Von but Kat Von D blew up as blew well. Up. Remember how, like, one of the biggest tattoo artists, and she had her own show. Like, what's one of the first shows I think of a tattoo artist had? of a reality show. And she's also in that pinnacle of this new reality. So what it got me thinking is maybe it's not just the upper, like they got the upper echelons people, but they're getting all these other people and they're like MK Ultraing. I mean, we're using that term because that's the term that everybody can kind of like get behind. We all know. And I think it's obviously been modified because there's so many different projects just for the guy that's like, what about project bluebird or project? Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a blanket I, term. I know the, uh, yeah, it's just a blanket term. But what if these are like influencer factories kind yes. of a deal, right? Where like you're like, hey, we're doing this new thing to take over because in the 2000s, they knew about LifeLog already. They knew the, 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 what they wanted to do with these social media networks. And I think they knew they had to have an army of people behind them to really enforce certain messages that they wanted to have. And sometimes they, they just need to manipulate their brain just enough that where they don't realize that they're like really pushing the narrative, right? It's almost similar to what the people that are like, oh yeah, Ukraine, they don't see the the whole bigger picture. They just go to that little scope of like, hey, well, people are getting killed. And I think they're using the same thing because Paris Hilton, just because her being like pretty much the number one first influencer, that's where you get all the, hey, I'm wearing this Gucci. Hey, I'm wearing, and getting free clothes. And I think that keeps you into that loop. They feed you with the food they want to give you. You promote it. They give you the clothes that you need. Now, Paris doesn't need all that stuff, but because she's a symbol of wealth and status, she's one of the perfect people that they can utilize. Again, one of those willing or unwillingly. We don't know how exactly the manipulation totally worked. I'm sure some people are in on it and some people are not, but I think these are influencer factories. Completely agree with that. That's where my mind my mind went to it as well. I was thinking about this. I was like, man, they got to manufacture people to create this idol that other people can follow because it's just human nature. Everybody wants somebody to follow. It's hard to break that because even myself now I can find people that I really like and I find myself like watching a lot of things that they do. And then I, I'm good now to where I can be separate where I'm like, okay, this is, I see a lot of flaws with this person and I think everyone's flawed. And I think once we do that, then it's like, you know what? I really like this person. Maybe they seem very genuine, but I'm sure they're flawed. I'm not going to take everything they say as gold because once you start doing that and you mold your life around other people, which we're not supposed to do, that was never the intention. And you were talking about 
manufactured. Well, we were talking about Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian being friends since they were children. And they both kind of came up sheltered. Nobody heard a lot about them until they got to be in their teens, but they had been friends for a long time. They went to grade school together at one point. They they knew their families, which we have heard that the Kardashians are witches. And a lot of people have talked about them being very deep into the occult. I wonder if her mother, you know, being friends with Paris's mother influenced them in certain ways too. Maybe she was supposed to be there as kind of a watchful eye over, Hey, Paris is the one we're going to move her into this. We need you to link up with them, be friends. You guys all play in the same circles anyway. And she probably promised her, Hey, your daughter will also be at the forefront when it's time because they're the same age. And when Paris comes back off of this Provo Canyon or wherever she was at, she starts blowing up and she does the reality show. And that's people's first introduction to Kim Kardashian because Kim Kardashian is seen on the reality show. And after that, they're also seen going out together in 2006. And that's when the paparazzi phase was really out of control and Kardashian started getting a lot of steam. And part of her getting that steam was her putting out a sex tape as well with Ray J. So now Kim's following the blueprint. So now you've got this girl who's been MK Ultra, and maybe Kim was too. We don't know about that side of it either. But now you've got her influencing someone else to be an influencer as they're creating this bots, basically bots that follow them into wanting to do everything that they do. And one of those things that has infiltrated into the history, the psyche of social media is the selfie. So there's a big debate on who started the self the selfie. Was it Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian? Because they both take credit for originating it, even though it seems like that it was more Paris to start with. Also, let's not even like throw this out that Madonna was doing selfies a long time ago as well. So she did it in an era where it, nobody was doing them. So I think maybe she was trying it out and they're like, okay, not yet. And then here comes Paris along with the selfie with Kim. Well, actually the first selfie was taken in 1839, but, oh, but continue. <laughs> There's a debate. I just, <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be some guy out there. That's going to be like, no, actually there is some guy. His name's rock. There is a, like a little, because I had looked up a little bit. His name's Robert something. And he was like, 1839. He, took the, <laughs> <laughs> he put the camera down and accidentally took a picture. Well, of when the term <laughs> selfie started was with Paris. And no, I know, just that was shit. great though. Uh, so yeah, they were doing them on disposable cameras, which was really crazy. Right. And before like the, really the camera phone stuff started coming in. And of course, when the camera phones, because personally, honestly, I didn't really think about it. So i never, like was like right. I never posed that in that. You know what I'm saying? You wanted so hey, it was always take hey, a take picture. a picture of us, take a picture of me. I'm totally so with that. Here's some interesting stuff about photography and selfies. So there's occult meanings behind some of this stuff too. And one of the things that I was discovering when I was digging into selfies, because this is something that they do a lot and they started was the tongue being out during the selfie and a lot of tongue imagery. And you see that even with photographs done of celebrities too. And it actually means death. It's in honor to the Hindu goddess Kali and it represents fair violence. 
It's brutal. It inspires fear in the people because of her cool practices. Because Kali was just nasty, just killed everyone. She's she's the one that's got four arms, has like the slain head in one hand. She's got the sword and the cup full of blood, uh, and fifty one human heads around her. Like it's it's insane. Like everybody knows who Kali is. Uh, if you look at any of the crazy death goddesses of uh, Indian culture or Hindu culture. But that's where some of that imagery comes from is this death imagery. And even if they didn't necessarily know it when they were taking it, but there sure. could have been things implemented in their brains, maybe in this MK Ultra that they do because symbolism runs the world. And I know that there's people out there that don't want to believe that. Oh, it's just harmless, man. It's just harmless, dude. Like, yeah, a lot of people use these symbols as harmless things. Does it mean they're going to hell? No, it doesn't mean that. But they do mean something when you implement symbolism around it can cause things to come back on you sometimes. And it can for the, at least the elites or people that are involved in Hollywood pushing this symbolism, they're doing it for a reason, whether inadvertently or on purpose. And I, and I think a lot of it too is to spread like, uh, uh, I think the more you have that energy yes. around, the uh, and the intent behind it, like if we all like took the symbol and, change the intent then i would maybe like start to think that yeah it could change but if everybody that either implementing has that bad intention or has no right. intention because they don't know it's going to give that bad intention because you don't know you're not putting anything yeah. behind and, it. and i agree with that too because there is a verse in the bible and i can't remember off the top of my head but god talks about symbolism and words and how that he is the owner of any symbol and words so no matter what um, if you're walking with him, those symbols and those words don't mean the same thing. Also, here's a good one for you. A lot of these symbols that are evil, that are bad, were originally good. They were just twisted. They were inverted or whatever else. So you got to understand where things really come from. When you start digging into, it's how something's used, right? It's how we're using it. I think a lot of people... And to integrate it, and, and I also, in my belief, if you even take away the... Uh, the cult way of it. But I also think that uh, there's this intent of selfie selfish Absolutely. inside myself. Let's only look at me like where, where it's me, 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 me. And if you noticed during that time, there was this change yes. of like people being a little bit more to themselves. And I think you, I've learned over the years because sometimes I'm a little bit too nice. You do have to be a little bit selfish in senses of where you have to take care of yourself, but this intentional only worry about me. Dude, it's funny you said that was selfish. Kardashian published a book in 2015 called Selfish, and it was a photography book about <laughs> selfies. So that is literally what it means. It's about being selfish. The selfie is about you, and it's about promoting you, and it's how they promote it. Again, it's about how you do something. They're doing it for selfish reasons, all eyes on me. I'm a goddess, worship me. That's what these idols want. They want you to worship them. Even, even Paris talks about how she loves the attention, especially back then. And even now, she can't break away from it. It's like she has mm -hmm. to work 280 days, almost 300 days a year, can't stop flying to these places to do these promotional events for different product lines. She can't stop herself because she needs those eyes on her. Cause she said that it makes her feel love because she doesn't know what love is. And I think that's cause I think they took that out of her. Honestly, I think she knew what love was again. I'm speculating cause right. I don't know, but 
when she says like it looked like she had a really good relationship with her father and it almost even seemed like the other girls were maybe a little bit jealous of the relationship and i think that something happened and i i had this feeling that she was not trying to be like everybody like her sister married a rothschild let's not like forget the, that her, her sister let's not forget <laughs> he's married to a rothschild and the cousin of jacob rothschild it's not just it like it's not just like a oh like down the line you know what i mean like uh uh seventh cousin no like literally close cousins and i felt like the other daughters were on board to go full on but i think you do need the the the, the first sacrifice born. and i think that paris did not want to be a part of any of this and i think that's part of where it rebelled they don't talk about it like that's what i was saying earlier they don't really reference to the key points that got her to here like what made her st i know there's the average rebellion, but it just seemed weird that she went from this tomboy to extremely like provocative wearing clothes, like out of nowhere, something poked the bear. And it's almost like she was like, I don't want to live this life. I'm going to go completely opposite of what you guys want me to do. And that's when she kind of went into this facilities, all these different facilities, which we don't know exactly what they are. And you could see some of that with the handlers when they show that scene, I think she's in Korea and she's like in those big, I think it was like blue, they look like big blue peanuts or something like that. And she's, it's almost like a styrofoam and she's like swimming in them and someone come, her handler comes up. It's, it's time to go to bed. Yeah. It's time to go. Like she's having fun and enjoying her life. And it's just, it was a weird scene because it's, and she's what you talked about earlier throughout the whole documentary, you see these different versions yes. of her. And then it's like, she reverts back to this, like, okay, like, Almost like a child, like, okay, mom, I, oh, let's well, go. You want me to go to bed? She's having a conversation with her sister at one point about having children, right? Um, and we're going to get into that in a second because she does have a kid now. But at the time in 2020, she didn't even know she was going to have kids. And her sister has a couple kids with the Rothschild. Matter of fact, her sister kept her last name Hilton and hyphenated it with Rothschild. So she took on mm -hmm. both of the names. And again, I think Paris had to be the sacrifice for the rest of it to come into play. So her sister comes next and she marries the Rothschild, which is mind blowing. When you think about it, you're married into one of the elite, elite bloodlines uh, as a Hilton. So she's talking to her sister and she says, you know, I don't know if I could ever have children. And she says that, I still feel like a child. And her sister brings up the fact that every morning she wakes up eating, uh, I think like fruit loops or lucky charms and watching cartoons in the morning, like she did as a kid. And it almost felt like that Michael Jackson thing where they weren't ever able to grow up and they always revert back to that kid like, uh, time. And you were talking about her being in the, in the foam looking balls and bouncing around and then her handler come in and she almost had to change personalities at that point. I think they, they, they don't know how to get away from this childlike thing. Cause the, the, the child was taken away from them that whole time where they were supposed to grow up, which I think she had for a bit or, or not taken away that that's your safe place. Right. right. Because after that childhood, like when you got to that certain point, like things went right. crazy. So you're like, let me revert back to that peaceful time that I had. It's like almost like they gave her the best childhood and let it be peaceful. And now that I wasn't thinking this at first, but now that we're more talking about it, I'm thinking like, yeah, she was supposed to always be the sacrifice. And they kind of like were like, let's let's let her live her life. And now it's time. And then she started rebelling. And then it's like, it went downhill from there because she's the one that has the, all the black eyes. 
sex tape, the drug charges, even like they said that she uses the N word. She's a stupid, like her role that they gave her was being a stupid, dumb blonde. Like she played the role of being an idiot, which she wasn't, which I think she's way smarter than it. Like you said, they allude to it when she's breaking down economics. And, And if you see her business plan, and I think that was the whole image and she got stuck with that and she's that black eye. So they can, now that you're saying that and then with connecting the Rothschilds that are married with her, like I already knew that, but then when we, you said that and I'm like, yeah. So then she was just the, sorry, we got tossed you aside so everybody else could right. succeed. And I think that when we're looking at sacrifices, I think people get caught up in the actual like death sacrifice. Sometimes it's the sacrifice of who you are sometimes it's the sacrifice of hey we're going to take your firstborn and turn her into this machine that's your sacrifice i think everybody's sacrifice is different so i think in essentially Mm -hmm. she still was a sacrifice but we were talking about that conversation that she had with her sister about whether she was going to have kids or not and she didn't know well eventually she finds a guy carter room and he is very wealthy he is very rich he built up his own empire now his father um had a lot of money as well but not to the point to where he had like his dad i think had a network like five million his dad if you actually do the research uh robert room he built a chicago-based company amstead industries and he was not your typical he actually cared for the employees he wouldn't actually be in the big office he refused to he stayed in a small office so he could be next to the employees and everybody that's worked for him looked at him as a as that guy that guy that would really be in the swamp be in the trenches with the employees and that's how he came into understanding business but then he went blew it up i mean he started vive spirits uh in like I want to say 2005 um, in 2018, it became one of the fastest growing private companies. So he had it for a while. He's been on like CBS, Fox. Uh, He talks about economics a lot. I think he has a net worth of like $40 million. So he's definitely in the category of not what she normally dates, right? So here's the guy she gets with, marries and has a kid with. So I almost feel like here's that point where okay, it's time, you know, the powers that be is like, hey, you're going to need something at least for appearances, or maybe she does like feel like, hey, this guy's on my level. And who knows what maybe he went through as a kid that they connected with. We don't know. We just know that she finds him. They end up having a kid. And here's the best part. So her and her husband have a kid, Phoenix Baron Hilton Room. And he's born from a surrogate. So this is the same thing that Kim Kardashian did with Kanye West. So all of their children were born of surrogates, which if anybody knows, they're not actually having the children. They do it through someone else. So they basically take embryos from Kim or Paris and then they implement it. They go to the lab. It's called IVF, in vitro fertilization, which in vitro means in the lab. And obviously fertilization is due, due to conception. They take the eggs and place them in like a, like a Petri dish with specially washed sperm cells. And they take care of the cycle from start to finish from four to six weeks before it's implemented 
into the surrogate that carries it for the remainder of the time. So they take the men's sperm and the female sperm. Well, here's the best part. What's really happening with this? What's happening in between during this four to six weeks, this mm-hmm. gestation period that's out of the womb. It's very homunculus-like. We're doing this out of the womb. Shouts out Shout to out Juan. Shout out to Juan. Out of the womb into the matrix, a artificial matrix, really reminds me of the ecto-life. It reminds me of yes. this whole push of the 30,000 babies a year that they're trying to move towards. Uh, Al got... And they're gonna and they're gonna use people like Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian because the women are gonna be like, hey, you don't have to mess up your body anymore, man. You know, you know what I mean. You can, you could live life perfectly, man. You don't have to do anything. And what what I think is funny too, because just even like you were saying, like these sperm cells, like just there's weirdos, right? So not even a cultic aspect. You're giving your sperm and your ectoplasm or your eggs to to to, to this weirdo. He's like, hey, I'm gonna put a little this parasol. Let me add a little bit of my genes in there. You know what I mean? Here's the best part though, Sean. So Al Ghali, who was the brainchild over Ectolife, came up with what they call the elite package, which allows you to genetically engineer the embryo before implanting it into the artificial womb. Everything from eye and hair color to strength, height, and intelligence can be chosen. And inherited genetic diseases can be avoided. So they're creating the perfect human. So, yeah, they are. And they're probably knowing exactly what they're doing. They're like, hey, we're going to take this, but we're going to genetically alter your child into what you would like to see. And I think there could even be this ulterior agenda from whatever powers that be that say, hey, we want this kid to do something. This is what we want to do. And this plays into Paris Hilton's kid. So we're going to get into her son, Phoenix. Currently, he's like six months old. If you know anything about Phoenix, the mass of the Phoenix is a ritual within Thelema, which was organized by the occultist Aleister Crowley. So the mass was first printed in his book, Book of the Lies, in 1913. And how this is made, this ritual, they, they consume what they call cake of light. It's a wafer, and it's made from meal, honey, olive oil, oil of abralim, blood, semen. All that's mixed together, and they take it as the Eucharist, which is like the communion from the Bible, but it's like black mass. So it's the mass of the phoenix. It's when you take this ritual, you're enlightening yourself, and you're basically being born anew. So... It's so crazy. And then when you break down the phoenix, it's also an alchemical symbol of transmutation. We're talking about being born again. It's the great work being accomplished. It's, all, it's, the, it's the legendary bird that lived 500 years, burned itself to ashes on a pyre, then rose again from the ashes for another 500 years. It's a symbol of resurrection, reincarnation, redemption, just like I said. So they name their child, who's born of a surrogate, who's out of the womb, they take the egg, they take the sperm, they put it in a Petri dish, you don't see it again for like six weeks, and then they pump it in with whatever else is in there with it and create who? Phoenix. Their son, the Phoenix, which ties into the Nephilim, baby! You know I'm not letting it slide! It's never gonna slide! And it goes... (laughs) 
it's not going to slide because when you're talking about these elite bloodlines and these Nephilim meat sacks that can be controlled, why wouldn't you be creating in a lab a something that's got the bloodlines connected because they've got these sperm and eggs in a petri dish what else could they add to it they could add whatever nephilim bloodlines they want to add to it and what does that make that child susceptible to being controlled by nephilim spirits so it's all connected sean you can't get away from it i i was waiting for it to come and uh you know we're kind of getting close to the Shot clock was counting down. It was like, oh, see that? Like, eh, we had it right there. We had the good old. I see you hitting up with a shot. He was going in the. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, yeah, that I, it's weird. That whole embryo stuff, like, well, the whole surrogate uh, is so weird. Like nowadays, like it's like a status symbol as well. Like, and it's been slowly even creeping into. Uh, you see a lot in pop culture. Remember they had a whole movie too, I think with Tina Fey. Yes. Uh, it was a comedy where they talk about, it's like basically about surrogates only. Yeah, that's, I like that, man. Cause they're doing something, man. And they're either, they're pushing it. And it's almost like you said, like her sacrifice, whether she's willing a part of it or just doing what she has to do. I think her sacrifice days are starting to get over. Like you said, it's not a sacrifice of where it's always like, we have to kill your first boy. Right. No, it's like, Hey, they need to put in work. We need your kid to put in work. Uh, if you guys want to continue, it's like put, that's paying your dues. Paying your dues is your kid has to be put to work, whatever that means, whether it means and if they get killed doing it, like, cause I think sometimes we think a sacrifice is like, Oh, well they were intentionally killing him. No, they may have not intentionally killed them. They just throw them into these situations that they happen to die. They happen to die. You right. know what I mean? And totally. And it just connected like a ton of breaks to me that, these surrogates we don't know what's happening in this four to six weeks what they're implementing in there and if we're talking about yeah. ecto-life being able to change the dna well, why aren't they implementing dna that you don't even know that's going in there dude paris and ruin might not even know but i kind of feel like they do if they're naming their kid phoenix because phoenix itself is yeah. so connected to the occult man i mean you think about what i just said it being the rebirth what are they rebirthing what what is this kid what kind of dna has been attached to this kid and i'm like yeah, it just makes sense man her sister's married to a rothschild too we need we need a from alert. <laughs> 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 no yeah there's or something it's like on that i mean i'm not saying their baby's antichrist but i'm just saying that's on that level though because you're genetically modifying a human to where you, instead of just saying hey let god you know two people get together like no 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 let's put this and then even like you said whether they know or don't know i think they do know too but people behind the scenes are like oh well okay let's add this a little bit sprinkle a, yeah i mean the and now that we should now we have to stay alive like long enough to figure out what happens with that kid and so we can who knows <laughs> man over the next 10 15 years and technology mm -hmm. the next 15 20 what it'll be like what he may bring to the forefront he's the firstborn of the firstborn yeah <laughs> and firstborn's like like and that's again it's it's almost like i think we need to look at the sacrifice everybody sees the blood right. sacrifice that's all like it's everything that the, the fancy the one that everybody wants to talk to the glorious one like the thing that they think everything is i think it's more of service right it's like paying your dues and being a service to whatever secret society you are 
and tied with like, right? Like the, your, or your bloodlines or this heritage that you've earned uh, or you have to earn. And I think maybe like it has to be with the firstborn because it's so ingrained in everybody's head through all kinds of like different scriptures of where the firstborn is such a thing. Yes. Like it's so even in like in Kung Flu flicks, they would go after the firstborn, right? Like to, to show you like, Hey, we just killed your firstborn. <laughs> Boom. Like there goes your bloodline. Like, no, exactly, <laughs> man. I, I completely agree with that. And I knew it was there, Sean. And I started digging. I liked it. I was, there. I was getting worried, man. <laughs> I was getting worried. I didn't think we seen it. And before we wrap it up and everything too, I wanted to say that like Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, Kim Kardashian, all these girls were together. Uh, uh, what's it called? What? And uh, what? Nah, Nicole Smith, <laughs> Nicole Richie. Um, but it's weird to me how Kim and Paris succeed, succeeded, but Kim kind of like really hasn't had her controversies, like the sex tape. Obviously they pushed it out to get her out there more, but most of her controversies are just kind of being like, maybe not the best human being or not the best wife and stuff like that, but she doesn't have any drug. It's like, I almost feel like, uh, her mom, the, the, the head Jenner kind of got involved with the Par uh, Paris Hilton's mom and kind of coached her mom and be like, Hey, this is what you should do. And they almost like they leached off that sacrifice. Like they pushed it into that direction so they could benefit because they benefited tremendously. And there's a lot, not a lot going on there because the dad was gone. You know what I mean? And he was a lawyer besides that famous OJ case. They didn't really have anything else. They had that. She latched onto the Jenner, uh, Bruce Jenner, which really didn't do anything. And I think she had this plot of somehow. And how about this on the table? What if um, I forgot what's her stupid name? The mom, the pimp, the pimp Kardashian. <laughs> Oh, Chris Kardashian, right? Chris Kardashian, that's her name. What if she was a part of leaking this parasex tape? I don't doubt it. And she made a profit off of it and then took that blueprint and did it with her daughter. It doesn't surprise me at all. And I think that when you're talking about who knows who her ex-boyfriend was involved with afterwards yeah. and maybe may have even been put up to doing it. There's the other thing that we didn't talk about mm -hmm. that maybe it wasn't even mm -hmm. his idea that somebody pushed him to do it because this was going to be the move. Again, I don't think she knew about it. I don't think she was a part of it, but there was somebody orchestrating it behind the scenes. I do agree with that. Yeah, that's, I just want to throw that out there. Cause uh, I'm not a big fan of them. <laughs> <laughs> Who is? Well, another fire episode. Don't forget to share the show. If you love the show, think it's fire, love what we do, share the show with your friends, leave us a five-star review. And of course, if it's fire, especially, man, keep them coming. We love them all because it makes us laugh, especially there's some hilarious people. Leave us a five-star review. Go check out our music. Joel Thomas, Sean Chris, all music streaming platforms. Go to killthemockingbirds.com right now. Go get your merch, get your butt cheek, keep your butt cheeks tight shirt, get your bird killer shirt. And then while you're at it, just click on the main page and go to that 40 and Airways. It, October 6th, 7th and 8th, 8 Ohio, kill the mockingbirds with a crew of other people. Uh, if you want, you can go to an episode. I forgot what it's called, but we have an episode a couple months, like a month ago or so, kind of breaking down the details a little bit more, or just click the link down below. Get your tickets. They're going fast. See you there. Yeah, and I'm going to do something a little different here at the end. I normally shout out my baby, Jen Saki, but 
while this show was going on, I had 20 J clones with 20 different phones texting her. So the work was already put in. I don't have to do that. I just want to thank everybody for going to bring back Saki bomb on change.org. We're getting close to that 100. I'm trying to cross that 100 mark. If you guys can go there right now, it's in the show notes. All you got to click on is bring back Saki bomb. It'll take you right there or go to the website. You'll see where to do that. I want to see some fire comments. Just petition with me. We want to get her back in. It's like Sean says, we're tired of KJP. We're tired of Jean-Claude Van Damme. We're tired of her. We want the red haired soulless ginger back in office so we can get somewhere. And hopefully she's there when Trump's running it. I think that would be even better. The economy was good when Saki was there. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Brat, brat, bird killers. I'm taping my dick and my balls to my leg. I'm taking these water balloons and I'm stuffing my bra. Just in my wig, bikini Chanel. I joined the women's beach volleyball league. I'm spiking the ball so hard the concussion, so hitting the heads is only technique. One shot, two shot, three shot, four. Five shot, six shot, seven shot, more. I love me some Kamala, she is phenomenal. Proving that anything's possible. From side chick to Montel, she must be a monitor. To get to the top of the capital Almost forgot about Brandon Still stuttering all of his speeches Cue up the clap track Green screen some more people Rachel Levine sat clapped Everybody worked up about Elon Buying Twitter like he gon' save us Left and right squabbling while he got chips For your heads calling him courageous No bueno, I answered and no one Start calling me NATO Digital cheese on the way though Get you a bowl of Alfredo It's a woke summer, I need another booster Trees colors, virtue signal every damn flag but my own. Cause we're all so oppressed, let me tweet it on my phone. Swipe white, boost the badge for the COVID hose on Tinder. Turn a nuclear summer into a COVID winter. These are moments to remember as I puffin' on my ember. Moderna and Pfizer, time to go on a bender. Don't assume my gender. Purple bangs just a black. Betty Cocker, fighting all mess monsters. Myocarditis playing soccer. Cloud Schwab storing home warm blockers. Kick rocks, slap ass at the Oscar. Yellow and blue emoji. It's a woke summer. I need another booster. Before I hit the beach, BLM on my koozie. Communism stove, beyond me looking juicy. Checking on your privilege, they them drop your booty. It's a woke summer. I need another booster. Let's call Patrice Colors. Virtue signal every damn flag but my own. Cause we're all so oppressed. Let me tweet it on my phone. Had a couple kids with Alexa and Siri. NPC sincerely. Yeah. What the elites and these kids have in common? What? They spoil rotten. 
Don't egg them on, it's a problem. Walk around the shells when you carry that cotton. This life is 26.2. When you throw Medusa, who you point to? Newfound thinker, I'm an NFT. But the caveat is you can't purchase me. Small contract, got contingencies. I'm silent with solidity. Oh, your VPN still collect data. Metaverse isn't in beta. From a trap house to a blockchain. Yeah, it's all the same thing. As to what with the whip and the gust with the chicken. It's all just a vision. Let's hide it with lines. How many of us is in a quandary? How many? I'm just one. Let's glance at the stars. One way ticket to Mars. Who's the subject for the cars? We gotta do it for cars. They a sneaky little fox. But I'm Jamie, give them bars. Sit a sit up by the law. I keep it 300 in my thigh. Of course, I'm boosted both ways. I'm riding my horse. High utterance, better to the ones of remorse. I picked a degree and still have some work. Alleging free and I'm not the first to pay. Gas is bad and potential worse. I'm starting to see. Guys ain't wait, V. You just wanna make things work.